Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Genesis, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm going to start out by asking you a question today, and it's a very simple question. And that is, what's in the box? Any guesses? An elephant. An elephant. Whew. Small elephant. Now, this isn't, this isn't a trick question, actually. There is, there is something in the box. You can, you can hear it. Now, I mean, if you were to get up close, you might see that, you know, it's a little, it's a little worn out a little bit. It's, it's pretty old. An old box has been around for a long time. Uh, it's been, been from here to there and kind of everywhere. Uh, but it's still been kept in pretty decent shape. Salt. Salt. No, that's right here. That's good. Any other guesses? Yeah. Old VCR. Uh, Ooh, old VCR. Well, no, it's okay. I, I'll, you know what? I'll, I will, I'll give you a clue. In this box, there's only death. There is no life to be found in this box. This box will actually cause nothing but harm. It will not cause you any kind of lasting joy, and it will actually prevent you from being able to have a future. Maybe even prevent you from being able to have a present. And as a result of that, I can't actually show you what's in the box. Any guesses? Okay, I'll give you another clue. It's possible that all of you have a box like this. She said sin. Let us listen to the words of a child, though. Because in this box is a box of memories. Now, memories. You might think that a box of memories is not a bad thing. A box of memories is really full of real people that you had a real relationship with. And they made enough of an impact in your life that you have those memories. And whether it's pictures, whether it's notes or cards or letters that you exchange with one another, whether it's gifts that they gave you, that you received from them, presents, you keep them as a reminder of what once was. It might be similar to when you pull out a, an old yearbook, right? You flip it open, you look at all the pictures, look at what people wrote inside. But this box, this box is my pillar of salt. 
Now, when you hear a story like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, we'll often focus on the destruction of the city, how bad it was, how bad the people are. And that's why it was destroyed. And that is true. What's also true is that Sodom and Gomorrah is no different than any story we've seen so far in Genesis, or that we'll see later in God's Word. In Genesis 18, God had visited Abraham to tell him of the son who was going to be born to him within a year. And then he tells Abraham that there is an outcry against the cities because their sin was so grave, so terrible, and so he is going to come and check it out and see if it's true. Now even in this conversation, there's two things that we've already seen before. After Cain kills Abel, God tells Cain that Abel's blood cries out from the ground. It cries out for divine judgment. Just like what's happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. And in the Tower of Babel, God comes down to see the city and the tower that's being built. And so now God is going to come to these cities. And he's going to check on Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham's nephew Lot was living in Sodom at this time with his wife and children. And this is where Abraham pleads with God to spare the city, if you remember this story, right? Abraham asked God to spare the city if 50 righteous people could be found, and God says yes. And then he says, well, what if 40 righteous people have been found, and God says yes. And what if 30 righteous people are found, and God says yes. And what if 20 righteous people are found, and God says yes. And then he says, and what if 10 Righteous people are found. Will you spare the city? And God says yes. So two angels go to this city to check it out, and they meet Lot at the entrance. They were going to stay in the town square, but Lot pressures them to stay in his home. Maybe because he knew of the great wickedness of the city, and he was trying to protect these visitors from that. He doesn't know they're angels at this point. It doesn't work. Because before you know it, the men of the city, and not just a few, but all of them, young and old, surround Lot's house because they want to know these visitors. And I don't mean know in the sense that they want to have questions and start a friendship. They want to know them inside and out because they want to have sex with them. And since they ask Lot to bring them out, you can imagine that they're going to force themselves on these visitors no matter what. And not just a few of these men, but all of the men, since they're all there. Now, you might think this is terrible. And it is. And you might think that Lot was doing a kind thing by inviting these visitors into his house. But you also might see him undo all of that hospitality when he offers up his two virgin daughters to these men instead. Now, there's something to be said about caring for visitors who you welcome into your home. But is anyone going to think that Lot does the right thing here by offering up his daughters instead? His counteroffer was just as wrong. And maybe he was looking at a, a lesser of two evils, right? Homosexual rape versus heterosexual rape. But it's all evil. It's all evil. 
These men are persistent because they're evil. And they see Lot as this obstacle in way, in the way of what they want. And they're trying to break down the door to the house to get to these visitors. And these visitors then pull Lot inside and strike all of them with blindness. The visitors then tell Lot that they are going to destroy the city and to take his family and get out. Lot goes to his sons-in-law, those who are betrothed to his daughters, and warns them of the coming destruction. They laugh him off. They think he's joking. They don't take him seriously. And maybe it's because they're just as wicked as the rest of the city. Maybe they were even there with all the other men trying to break down Lot's door. And they don't really care about his daughters at all. So they don't go with him. And what does Lot do? Well, Lot, he packs up his family and immediately heads for the hills. No. He lingers. He takes his time. I mean, he's probably struggling to leave everything that he knows. All his possessions, his entire life behind him. And unlike Noah, who willingly builds the ark to save himself and his family, Lot does not willingly leave Sodom. So the visitors have to actually physically take Lot and his wife and daughters and get them out. Why? Because God is merciful. Lot is weak. And so God gives him the help that he needs. Lot needs help, God gives it to him. And these visitors, they tell Lot and his family to escape, to don't stop anywhere and don't look back. Lest you be swept away, lest you perish, lest you die, like the rest of the people. And then God rains sulfur and fire from heaven down on everything. But poor Lot's wife. She looks behind and is turned into a pillar of salt. But it's really her fault. Because she was warned not to look back. Otherwise she'd be swept away. She got what she deserved. And it happened instantaneously. Now this is a little bit different from when Adam and Eve were warned that when they ate the forbidden fruit that they would die, right? It isn't instantaneous, but it still came. And maybe like Lot, Lot's wife didn't want to leave. Maybe she regretted her decision leaving. Maybe she was caught up in her life and what she was leaving behind, and she just wanted to see it one last time. And it was the last thing she ever saw on earth. We often focus on the terrible sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. But none of them were turned into a pillar of salt. Yes, they had their own destruction come. But Lot and his family, who got out of the city before the destruction came, they were safe. But not all of them lived. Remember, Abraham pleads for Sodom. God wasn't going to destroy the city if ten righteous people were found. How many righteous people were there in that city? Four? 
I mean, this wasn't like Noah and his family where his kids and their wives were saved. The men connected to Lot's daughters don't take him serious. They don't make it out. So you have Lot, his wife, his two daughters. But there's only three that survive, even though four made it out of the city. So how many righteous? Three? Well, if you heard the story and heard how Lot treated his daughters, would you call him righteous? Two? If you know what happens in the story after Lot flees Sodom and Gomorrah, you'll find out that his daughters aren't very righteous. Zero? Yeah. Probably zero righteous people were found in Sodom. Yet God still saved some because he is merciful. In the gospel reading that you heard today, we are called to remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. Preserving our life. Kind of sounds like preserving the things in our life. Making them more of a priority than God. Focusing on all of those things above God. We're in the season of Lent. And it's a time when we can focus on, reflect on things that we need to be repentant of. The things that we prioritize above God. The things that we would rather preserve in our life than let go of because they get in the way of God and his will for our lives. All of us are different. All of us have different things that make us want to look back, that make us want to look behind. What's in your box? I've shared a little bit of mine, and obviously... This isn't the full story. There are other boxes. Some of them are figurative and some of them are physical. And we can look at it and say, why not just throw it all away? You're right. I probably should. I mean, I'm no longer the person that this box is filled with. I just haven't been able to part with it yet. Maybe now is the time. Maybe now is the time to take what's in this box. Let it become Sodom and Gomorrah. Let it burn and turn into a pile of ashes. I guess it's not so much about destroying what's here, but it's destroying the people who fill this box. Because it's really the only thing I have left of them. And as much as I'm not the person that this box is filled with, there's still a little bit of me that is. Otherwise, I wouldn't have it still. And that's really what sin does. That's really what Satan wants. He doesn't want you to be able to move on from the past. He doesn't want you to be able to have a future, at least a future that's full of hope and promise. He wants you to be stuck. He wants you to live your life as your former self. 
He wants the old Adam, that sinful flesh, that sinful nature that we are born with to rule over your life. He wants to stop you from being rescued, making it safely into the arms of God. He wants you to look back. He wants you to dwell in your sin and continue in your sin. Whatever it might be. He wants to keep you in your sin so that it keeps you from heaven. He wants you to to not admit your sin so that you are kept from receiving God's forgiveness. Our world today is like Sodom and Gomorrah. How many righteous people will be found here? The answer is zero. Because we are not righteous. We are weak. We deserve death. Lot's wife is a warning to us. You want to save your life? You're going to lose it. The wages of sin is death. We are all guilty. We are all deserving of punishment. We should receive sulfur and fire. We should receive destruction. We should receive hell. That is what our sinful acts get us. And evil cries out in the world for divine intervention. Evil cries out for punishment, for retribution. We need help. And God gives it to us. But rather than destroying the world, God sends his son. There wasn't any righteous one to be found on earth. At least one that could save the world. And so the only true righteous one had to come down from heaven for us. And rather than God pouring out his wrath on the world, he pours his wrath out on Jesus on the cross. He doesn't destroy the world that we live in. He lets Jesus bear the punishment that we all deserve. And so God spares the wicked, all of us, for the sake of one righteous man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is certainly still evil in this world. And God would be just and right in bringing it down upon us. That destruction, that condemnation, the fires of hell. But he hasn't yet. Because he wants as many people as possible to turn from their evil ways. To believe in him and be saved. That's why Jesus came. To open the door to eternal life for all people. And that's why the Holy Spirit was sent to create faith in the lives of people so that they believe in Jesus, that they repent of their sinful ways, that they turn from their past behavior and see the new man, the new woman that God is making in them, the new creation that they are through the waters of baptism where we see that old woman, that old man, that old Adam 
that sinful nature is drowned in the waters of baptism. And that new man, that new woman rises up and rises daily in repentance so that we are able to leave a God, live a God-pleasing life. So that what happened at Sodom and Gomorrah, what happened to Lot's wife, doesn't happen to us. Remember Lot's wife. Even more so, remember Christ's life. And take all your burdens, all your worries, all your mistakes, all your past that gets in the way of your present and your future, and lay them down at the foot of the cross. Because it's there where Christ's blood was shed for you. It's there where forgiveness was won for you. It's there where all things are made new. It's there where the old dies and the new rises. And the empty tomb is proof of that. That you are changed. That you are brought from death to life. And the cross reminds us that nothing, nothing can get in the way and stop Christ and his unconditional love for us. He did it all for us. And his death and resurrection, it isn't just some past event, but it is a present reality. And it is the reason that we have a future, a future of eternal life, a future spent with him. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior.